0: imagine the Supreme Court saying, oh, he didn't engage in insurrection. They're never going to do that. They'd look like, you know, it would look terrible because everybody knows what really happened that day. Hello, everyone. This is JVL. Welcome to a special, a very special episode of The Next Level with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller. Sarah, but you got something actually very special for us. Lay it on me.
1: Yeah, so here's here's what I did. You know how I'm always on this podcast being like, Well, I'm not a lawyer, and you know, true. that's true, right? True. So part of the problem with this uh, upcoming news cycle is that it's just all about lawyer stuff. Like well, on Friday we got this like big news about the Supreme Court's gonna hear Trump's appeal on the Colorado. And the problem is I don't understand any of it that well. And so I called up my buddy, George Conway, the Society for the Rule of Law, and I was like, George, I'm gonna need you to explain all this law stuff to me like I'm five uh and so he did he did and so we got a a little special ep here of me asking george all the questions that i've had on the legal stuff uh if you guys like it we might make it a more regular thing uh we're talking about
0: explains everything
1: so i think we're gonna call it george conway (laughs) explains it all Parenthetical to Sarah. What do we think about that?
0: <laughs> well, I'm excited about this. I have to tell you, I'm like not, not that really impressed with lawyers mostly. And despite also not being a lawyer, kind of think I can fake it till I make it mostly. But one yeah. lawyer I am impressed with is George. So I, I'm pumped to be, you know, kind of edu- edumacated.
1: I know most people know him as like a corgi guy on Twitter, anti-Trump guy, whatever. He's actually a brilliant legal mind. And um, uh, I just kind of I just put a quarter in the machine. So, let's hear right.
0: it. It's on the YouTubes. You're looking it's on the YouTube. Right so, make sure it's to check it out on the YouTubes, And it's too. on the
1: pods. Hello, everyone. I'm Sarah Longwell, publisher of The Bulwark. And I am here with my good friend, George Conway, who is what they call a lawyer. And I am somebody... I'm <laughs> right? a recovered lawyer. But, you, you know, you, you have one of those okay. degrees that they give you from okay. law school. Yeah. I see Allegedly. you on the TV. I read yeah, you yeah. in The Atlantic. But I, George, am what they call not a lawyer. As Uh people who listen to me on The Bulwark know I'm constantly having to say I'm not a lawyer. And it is much to my dismay that so many of the political things that we are going to discuss over the next year as we go through this election require a law degree because we have a former president who is a criminal who's been indicted on 91 counts. We've got states kicking him off ballots. We've got an obscure... A uh, segment of the Constitution, section It's just three. one
0: giant witch hunt. Just <laughs> one giant witch hunt.
1: He is appealing. So there's just so many things going on. Here's the thing: we yes. are going to do a segment that we. I, I texted George. I was like, "You got to, you got to do a segment with me. We're going to call it George Conway explains it all to Sarah like she's Five. Okay. Because I believe. Hey, okay, little people Sarah. Out there, would
0: you like a lollipop, salad, Sarah?
1: <laughs> I I don't That's I'm some ice not cream. To, I'm not trying to demean like myself or my intelligence, okay. but I am trying to do those. I believe that there is a hunger out there okay. for people who want to understand what all this news is legally but are not lawyers themselves, and they don't want to get into the weeds, but they want to understand why this matters so much, right? Okay. And you have a piece in The Atlantic today, which I read, and still, I understood it, but it was still a little over my head. And so here's the thing I want to start with. I just want to start with some, some, a basic thing, which is Friday... The Supreme Court says they're going to hear Trump's appeal, basically, of this Colorado decision to keep him off the ballot under the 14th Amendment. And I guess for me, as somebody who doesn't understand the legal side, the one thing I do understand, and that you were saying this in your piece, but I want to get into it, is this, is this this section of the Constitution is a completely novel, unlitigated Section of the Constitution, right? So my understanding is normally with the law, people talk about it a lot. It's litigated over and over again so that the Supreme Court, right, has lots to fall back on when it has to rule in a major case like whether or not to keep a president off the ballot. But because there's basically been no discussion of this since the Civil War, they are now going to have to make a big decision about whether or not this whether or not trump can be on the ballot in like 30 days and so that is that is that why this is so insane like first just to explain why this is such a big deal
0: well it's a big deal for the reason you just said and it's not novel in the sense that this is something that has been in the constitution since i guess 1868 but it's novel to us because we haven't had insurrectionists seeking public office in our lifetimes or the lifetimes of our parents and probably in our grandparents, unless you're like Zachary Taylor's uh, grandson who apparently is alive. So um, that's the reason why people are looking at it and say, well, where did this come from? And the answer is it came from the fact that after the Civil War, Congress, the Reconstruction Congress, realized, hey, wait a minute. We sent all these guys home, you know, with their weapons, and, and the officers got to keep their sidearms, and they're just going to run for office again, and we're going to have to do this all over again. What are we going to do about that? And so, one of the things they did, you know, Thirteenth Amendment—they got they, they they formally abolished slavery. They, for, for, I mean, the Thirteenth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment—they guaranteed equal protection of the laws, and they also had this provision that prevented people who then engaged in insurrection. Uh, from holding further office. And then it was forgotten about for a long period of time, other than by historians, until somebody said, hey, wait a minute, we have this president who, former president, who wants to run again, and he incited this insurrection, and he engaged in insurrection. And these two law professors, um, one of whom I went to law school with, both members of the Federal Society, wrote an article. A very good article based upon the, you know, all the methods that conservatives have been preaching about how to interpret the Constitution for the last 40 years. Um, originalism, the textualism, uh, looking at the legislative, the the legislative history or the context in which mean words were drafted. And they came to the conclusion that this language in Section 3, which is pretty simple, um, barred, Donald Trump and okay. so right hold now. On. Okay, hold on. Okay, I'm okay. so I'm much. just going to stop okay. for one
1: second. No, no, okay. no just because because I'm I'm it's supposed to be five here, and I'm not sure that my I'm going to recap. I'm going to recap okay. what I think All I heard right. you just say. Okay. The first part of what you're arguing here is why you think the 14th Amendment is valid, right? Yeah, that's what you're saying, and it, that's interesting to me in part because I read in your, that in your piece. But when you and I talked. A while back you weren't sure that you thought that you agreed with our colleague and our colleague your colleague and a guy i know because um, i'm not a lawyer and not his colleague well, but but you both thought the 14th amendment he was very he felt very sure that the 14th amendment should apply in this instance and you were a little more medium on that you were like uh, yeah i'm thinking it through and then you got
0: I, you know i i was i have to say i came with a bit of a prejudice against um, the application of section I mean, of, of the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three, in that I want to see this guy, um, I want to see this guy beaten like a drum, because I think it would be best for the country politically for this guy to be trounced in the twenty twenty four election. And I do think, at the end of the day, for reasons that would be, you, know, you could have another podcast on. I think that's what would happen or will happen if he's on the ballot. But that said, I mean, I also have this. You know, this, this instinct in me of like, well, if the law says it, we have to apply the law. So the question was, so I was sort of agnostic for a while and skeptical of the politics of it. It wasn't my preferred result, leaving apart the question of whether or not it was constitutionally required. And then I kind of read more and more. And then I got into it again, reading very carefully the Colorado decision and the dissents. And the dissents are very dissent are very useful things in, in, in appellate courts because they, they represent if there's a, if there's a criticism or a weakness in a majority opinion, you're going to see a smart dissenting judge just cut cut through it like butter and. I didn't see anything remotely compelling in any of the dissents in the Colorado case. And I read the Colorado decision, the, the majority opinion, and it was all the arguments I'd seen before it, it, and in their most refined form. And I thought, OK, this is this doesn't look like a fair fight. I'm um, I'm convinced.
1: Okay, and then the second one though, the second one is the one I want to ask you about because yes. you're saying, okay, Congress didn't have to convict him, like obviously we wouldn't be here today if Congress had just done its job and convicted him right after the Senate, especially yes. I'm yes. Uh, yeah, the Senate specifically, especially since you know if you go back and read what they said back then, a whole bunch of the Marco Rubio and mm-hmm. uh, Mitch McConnell were saying things like. Well, you know, he's not president anymore, and so the, if 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 people want to use the law, you know, the law will be there to to hold him accountable. Right. And most and now notably, all Mitch McConnell.
0: Right. Most yeah. most notably, Mitch McConnell. Although Mitch McConnell hasn't, he's been silent as a church mouse on this. But on February 13, 2021, right after the acquittal was entered, and the chief justice went back across the street, he gave a speech on the Senate floor, basically saying, "We have a criminal law in this country." President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office as an ordinary citizen. We have a criminal justice system in this country, and former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one. And if Donald Trump, basically, if Donald Trump committed a crime here, and you have a pretty good argument, there was that's that's the recourse. And I mean, yeah. um, if he and, and somebody sent me the other day, um, somebody who wanted to be re- remain nameless but was kind of obsessed with this issue, he he went through. The Congressional Record, and you know all the remarks that the senators made at the time that they voted, and then you know obviously they they revised and extended their remarks as they all do, and he tallied how many Republicans actually thought, actually voted to not to convict him on the grounds that he was not guilty, as opposed to um, the, the the legal fig leaf that they used by saying that that, you know, he's out of office, so we can't really do anything to him, which I think was wrong. And about 70 of, there were 70 senators, okay, um, um, Democrats and Republicans, who did not, who basically voted, who, who expressed the view that the guy was responsible for January 6th. So yeah. if they had, you know, if, if, if you take that seriously, um, you know, he should have been convicted. But they they didn't take their job seriously. They thought he'd just go away and sorry. Here we are.
1: But I will say this is the one argument that I've heard, and maybe I even made it early days, because I was sort of like, doesn't somebody have to convict him of insurrection No, so that we know? And that's your point there is you're saying, no, the courts can determine, there's like the Colorado Supreme Court is within its right Right. to determine that Trump fomented an insurrection and make that judgment that he should be kept off the ballot.
0: Right. I mean, you don't have to have somebody, you know, there are other qualifications to be president. You don't need a judicial proceeding for a secretary of state to decide that somebody who says that their birth date is 1990 is not old enough to be president of the United States. I mean, there are other requirements, and it doesn't require litigation to establish those. And if Congress, but more importantly, to go back to, you know, to put on, to channel my inner, inner Antonin Scalia if Congress had meant to say that people had to be convicted of a crime, the crime of insurrection, in order to be disqualified, they knew how to use that language, they, and they did not use that language, and with good reason. I mean, you, you're going to have that. What happened was that at the end of the Civil War, I mean, for example, Appomattox, they they collected all the arms of the enlisted men, put them in a big pile of the of the, of the Confederate enlisted men. and let the officers keep their sidearms and horses and just send everybody home because you couldn't imprison everybody, all hundreds of thousands of, of of Southerners who who bore arms against the United States. You couldn't imprison them all. You couldn't prosecute them all. So it didn't make any sense to have a conviction requirement. And it wasn't, you know, it, it, there wasn't, wasn't going to be much dispute about who took up arms against the United States and who didn't. Basically, every able-bodied white man in the South took up arms against the United States. So it wasn't—it yeah. didn't make any sense to have a conviction requirement.
1: But I guess the, the questions were the difference is, is like so. When people talk about the age or um, you know being a citizen of the United States, are there objective standards? And I guess the question is is in and even in the civil war if you fought for the south i guess it was pretty easy to know that you or were an officer in the south that you uh engaged in insurrection or sedition because that was sort of commonly thought. but like i think the question is is the is that did trump trump engage in an objective definition of insurrection yeah i mean you know okay i listen to voters all the time right and they'll always be like well the people who went in the building that's different trump didn't do anything he just said some stuff
0: yeah, I mean and that's 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 just poppycock because you know he I mean he was here is a guy by the way who assaulted a secret service agent Watch to your try ring to ring go up hell, to I the show, hill. George.
1: Did, what did I say? Did I say I that said, bad you bird? said poppycock. <laughs> I was just joking. Poppycock.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I usually say bullsh but they get in trouble for that. But um it's poppycock. And um it's not just about what he said on January sixth, which, you know, had the intended effect of sending these people up to the hill. He knew, I mean, there's so many different facts about January 6th that are damning that he knew these people were armed, that they were, you know, they weren't refusing to come through the magnetometers because they were armed. He said he didn't care because they weren't out here to get him. He told them to fight about 16 times. He used similar language. He said, if we don't go up there, we're not going to have a country. I mean, now, in the context of what he was seeing in front of him, it was obvious that he was inciting violence. And other people noted that, too. I noted it like 24, 48 hours before I did a hit on Morning Joe, where I said, God knows what's going to happen on January 6th. These people are coming here with weapons. And, I, you know, I, I it was pretty—I mean, he caused this to happen. He was he was a direct cause, I mean, as, this, as the Colorado Supreme Court held, because— None of this would have happened without him. It was his lies that got all these people to come to Washington. He urged them to come to Washington because it, quote-unquote, will be wild. I mean, he was the central figure in inciting and or- basically organizing this Insurrection, and it was an insurrection because an insurrection doesn't require, you know, it doesn't have to be a coup d'état. It doesn't have to be a successful coup. It doesn't have to be a rebellion, a full-scale rebellion um, like the Civil War. An insurrection, if you look at the definition, means just, you know, some attempt, some resistance to civil authority, and an attempt to to stop civil authority from carrying out its functions. And that's what they did that day. And they, they, they tried to stop the most important function you could ever imagine in the United States, which is the essential peaceful transfer of power from one democratically elected administration to another. So, I, you know, I, it's not there's no it's pretty obvious why Trump's people in their petition for social rare I just buried the, that issue. They just buried that issue because they know right, they let's can't talk win about that this.
1: Issue. Let's okay. talk about this. OK, because we've now, I think, established, well, why you think the 14th Amendment, Section 3, does apply to Trump. Right. But but what happened Friday that was sort of a bombshell was the Supreme Court is going to hear this. Uh, they took, they had two options for cases they could take. They could have taken the Colorado GOP's case, which in your own writing said that was like a normal, that was a normal case. And then Trump did, as he normally does, like. A weirdo uh, case but they took Trump's weirdo case yeah so why so tell me tell, well explain. because
0: I think they I, I think well first of all normally the Supreme Court and I, I spell this out in the Atlantic piece that I published today the Supreme Court doesn't take whole cases really it takes issues it takes cases on the basis of the issues they present and then it only takes some issues in a case. And those are the issues that are the most important to the country, whether it be because they affect more people or because they, there are conflicts in this in the circuit courts and the state supreme courts about them. They focus really on issues. They don't say, Did the district court and this court of appeals get this right or wrong? And look for reasons to affirm or reverse. And what Trump's petition did, it did something that they would tell you not to do if you were taking a course in appellate advocacy. It basically said, was the Colorado Supreme Court right I think that the best argument they that that Trump could possibly make here would be the one that you referred to as like oh well he didn't and I think it's weak as I said I, you know he didn't engage in an insurrection because he didn't bear arms and march up to the hill he, the Secret Service stopped him from going and he didn't you know he didn't he didn't issue specific orders to the proud, proud boys or this group or that group I don't think that Gets him off the hook for engage, but it's actually the best argument he has. But right now, and and because that you know it's it's the best argument he has, and it's the least likely one of the least likely arguments for the Supreme Court to take because you imagine to, to to buy because the Supreme Court you imagine the Supreme Court saying oh he didn't engage in insurrection they're never going to do that they'd look like you know it would look terrible because everybody knows what really happened that day, uh, but I think the reason why the Supreme Court took. This what I call blunderbuss Cuisinart question that mixes everything in is that they realize, too, that this case isn't really being well presented to them. And they have no idea how it's going to come out and what issues are going to matter. And so they want to keep their options open, too. So I think what they decided was we got to move fast. People expect us to move fast. And we're just going to have to see how this all shakes out. And it's going to be it's going to be rough and tumble. But we'll see. And I do think that they they want to keep their options open because they, you know, they can probably see these questions aren't, you know, this is a big deal knocking this guy off the ballot. And right now, the principal issues that you look at and see aren't particularly strong for him. So, you know, they want to keep their options open because, you know, it's understandable that they would have trepidation in doing something that has never happened before. But of course, the reason why it has never happened before is because we've never had a criminal like Donald Trump try to overturn the Constitution of the United States.
1: And let me just ask you this. You know, I don't know, I was talking to a, a lawyer friend of mine, and one of the things she was saying is that oftentimes when people put these questions or write these briefs, they have justices in mind that are their audience. Yes. That they yes. think they can persuade. Uh, right. So who do they, who does Trump and his lawyers think are their persuadable audience? I think
0: they, they would, I mean, obviously there's raw partisanship that they are hoping would, would work in their favor and i and i honestly don't believe that's that's what motivates these justices okay. um but i think you know for example with roberts roberts is a cautious guy right he's a, he's somebody who's very very understandably as the chief justice of the united states he's understandably concerned with the reputation of the court and he wants to make sure that the court doesn't get too far out over its skis which is why for example he wouldn't have overruled roe but he would have he would have cut it back some and that's why he, you know, he, he's he's particularly um, concerned about stare decisis. And in this circumstance, this is, you know, and, and I'm you sorry, you
1: used a Latin phrase that I stare
0: don't like decisis sure. is the is the general proposition that you stick to decisions that have been previously rendered and you don't yeah. say, oh, they're wrong. And let's change the precedent. Law. precedent right? precedent. Yeah. You stick to precedent. Um, you know, it's it's not. It's not always done. It doesn't. It's not a hard and fast rule. But he, 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 very much, very much is cautious in that regard. So I think they're going to want to play on his cautiousness. And the fact of the matter is, are going to be there are going to be people. Uh, may, there could be the, some of the um, Democratic appointees may be cautious about this. I mean, we're seeing a lot of of liberal commentators, not necessarily persuasively in my view, um, say that, oh, this is a terrible thing, disqualifying him him. They don't provide any good legal reason why he should not be disqualified, but there's a lot of concern by some of my liberal friends about, well, this is not a good thing. I think ultimately it comes down to their fear that the MAGA people will rise up in violence if the law is enforced against their guy. But they're going to do that. If they're going to do that, they're going to do that for any number of things, any number of legal consequences that might befall him. And I don't believe that we should not enforce the law simply because people um, you know, want to intimidate us into not enforcing the law. So I talk too much.
1: No, no, you're great. OK, so uh, just one another question. But so what does this mean for the other states that are considering kicking Trump off the ballot? Right. So the Supreme Court takes it up and I presume that whatever they come up with applies to every it's going to be federal, right? It's going to apply to everybody.
0: Well, not necessarily. Um, let me and uh, let me explain why. I mean, if they say that Section 14, I mean, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies to the presidency, yes, that will govern everybody. If they say that Section, 4, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is self-executing and doesn't require legislation by Congress and doesn't require a criminal conviction, yes, that will, that will control everybody. Um, on the other hand, the, the finding that he engaged in insurrection... You know, they they are going to review that on a deferential standard and they're going to say that we can't, you know, we can't find error in that. And, you know, it could be that somebody could say, a court could say, well, that was the record in Colorado, but applying the definitions that the Supreme Court itself used in affirming the Colorado decision, we have a different record. And. Uh, we're going to come out a different way so it's it's conceivable that the, the the Supreme Court's decision doesn't completely bind every other state with respect to the findings that the Colorado courts made on the particular record that was before them, although frankly, if a full record is presented to any fair tribunal, I think they get to the same result. I think the thing the, the aspect of that that would apply to other states would be. If the Supreme Court says, here's what we think the 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 framers of the 14th Amendment meant when they used the word insurrection and they say an insurrection means X and that engaging in an insurrection means Y, well, X and Y would bind everybody. But if they do like what the Colorado Supreme Court did, which was to basically say we don't have to decide which um, definition to use because he meets all of them. You know, I, 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 you, you, you could end up with, with, um, well, I mean, that that would be binding. I, I guess that would be binding on other courts. I, 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 think. Long, long, the short answer to my long answer, short summary of my long answer is, I think it probably will bind the other states, but there are going to be there are going to be wrinkles, and we have to see the procedural postures of the other other states and how how the issues come up in those states.
1: I mean, to me, it just seems like the whole point of the Supreme Court taking this up is to get some kind of a resolution. So no, that, no, no, I mean,
0: absolutely it is. I, we think, are... I think it will. Right. I think there will, be, there, there will be a lot more clarity, obviously, after they rule. I just, I'm just saying I can't guarantee that it will be the last word because we have no idea. We have no earthly idea what they're going to do and how they're going to do it.
1: And because I think in terms of the political calendar, so they are going to hear oral arguments February 8th, right, Correct. which is just less than a month from now. And then how how long until they make a ruling on it? Like fast, right?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think they will move as fast as say the DC circuit is going to move in the immunity case that's being argued on Tuesday. But it's conceivable that they could render a decision within a, I think the fastest you could expect this court to issue a decision would be in t- three weeks maybe. Cause I think it just, it just takes, it's a nine member court. It takes a while. Or you know maybe it could, maybe they can do it faster. The worst F- case puts you like five be, days
1: out from Super Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I but I, but the problem they have now already is that you know in Colorado he's going to be on the ballot because they already they already sent the ballots off to be printed. This the, I don't think that this decision is going to be rendered in time to allow states and I, I don't look I don't know what the ballot printing schedules are to change what their ballots are going to be on Super Tuesday. I honestly don't think so. But I think, you know, it's important obviously for going forward to the later primaries and also obviously for the general election to know, you know, have some clarity on 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 the scope of section 3 of the 14th amendment and you know, some guidance as to how it applies in this particular set of facts.
1: You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because this is something that I've been wondering about. So, it's conceivable that he gets knocked off some ballots right. uh and but not all he still wins right. the primary right. uh and it's really then a question of the general election so if if whatever gets decided now well that will apply to the general or will it continue to get litigated the whole way through
0: i think that whoever loses may keep trying to litigate it if there's a if there's a window for litigation i think that um I don't think I'm not convinced necessarily that this is going to be the last word, unless the Supreme Court holds, for example, that it just doesn't apply to the president, or holds that under no set of circumstances could you have someone engage in insurrection if they, unless they carry, were carrying at least a musket. Okay, if if, if they hold something like that, then that that could wipe out that could wipe out all the disqualification efforts. But other than that, it's possible, as I said, that they, that they may prescribe – they may say, yeah, it does apply to the president. Yeah, it does apply without a conviction. And um, on this record, it, 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 the findings – we can't overturn the findings. Um, you know, there's going to – they'll still look for error in the decision, I think. That's the thing. We'll see. OK. It's, it's, it's really hard to say in the abstract. You actually have to have an opinion – um, and then, and then, even then, it could be that people are going to try to sit there. They're going to be noodling for weeks trying to figure out well, what, what what's what's open to, to litigate anymore.
1: So. Have you seen anything like this before in no. American history? No. Like I, I want uh, people to understand and kind of get right. their heads around how wild. And even no, I it was is. like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was like, I mean, oh, this is crazy. But like my friends who are lawyers are like, no, 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 you don't understand. This right. is the most bananas thing ever. We've never seen anything like it. Tell us how crazy right. well,
0: it is. Well, it's it's bananas not in the sense that, that it's legally bananas. It's bananas that we have some, a, pre, a man who is likely to be a major party nominee for president who you can even make the argument about should be disqualified. I mean, that's a good point that my friend Ed Whalen made the other day on Twitter was like, even if he's not disqualified, even if the law is, is what he says it is, just consider the fact that we're even talking about this. And it's because this guy basically tried to overturn the Constitution. So uh, that's what's bananas about this. What's bananas about this is that he's still there. He's still out there. The Republicans take him seriously. That he, well, what's bananas was, as you pointed out earlier, that he wasn't. Um, barred from seeking future public office by the United States Senate when it faced you know when it when it uh, tried him on the impeachment charges um, that 's what 's bananas he 's bananas the situation yeah. the political situation in the country is bananas, so the fact that there 's litigation that seems bananas and could reach a bananas, seemingly bananas result is this flows from all the other bananas that are floating around out there. <laughs>
1: yeah that yeah. makes total sense. It's a lot of bananas. Yeah. George yeah. Conway, okay. yeah, so guys, we don't want to be
0: a banana republic.
1: we don't. we don't. That's right. It's a That's great the way point, to close yeah. this this, yeah. this 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 weird segment we've done. Uh, but guys, if you want us to do this more, you can tell us in the comments. I know that I still am not a hundred percent clear on what's going on, but I am like sixty percent better after having listened to George. I hope you are too. Um, yeah. and uh, I want to thank George. George, thanks for thank uh, sharing some of your wisdom. Happy it was great. It.